Welcome to another episode of AKA Teacher. I'm here with my teammates, Joanna, Shelton, and Daniel. Guys, um, I feel like we are about to embark on a first, which yes. is a, a podcast and an ed camp happening at the exact same time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, teachers are known for multitasking, so here we go. <laughs> yep. Uh, innovation to the T, just like Daniel likes it. Um, well, so I'm just going to explain to some of our listeners out there exactly what's happening, and then we can kind of start having fun. Um, we are participating in an EdCamp webinar, and for this portion of our podcast, we're going to just kind of start with talking about engagement and sustainable classrooms today. And then we're going to have some breakout sessions with some of our participants that will not be recorded, but then we'll come back together and we will talk about what we talked about with our participants. What do you guys think? Ready? I'm excited. Yes. I'm like, Sounds this is a, a way to keep the fire burning at the end of February. Bring it on. So yeah, but let's take a second just to check in with everybody. Joanna, how are things going in your neck of the woods? Um, okay. I mean, we've got some sunshine here between the snowstorms. Um, overall, okay, but I will say um, attendance is a little concerning these days. A lot of kids out sick. Yeah, I almost feel like there's like another like low-key COVID wave happening or something because it seems like suddenly everybody's getting sick. Some, and there, but so then some aren't there, but then some are because one, you know, one girl's like, I threw up today be, before school as she's sitting next to me. I'm like, okay, thanks for coming, you know. And then another girl just looked like she wanted to fall over and was like, oh, I have the worst headache. So yeah, I'm just seeing some illness. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, we having an actual audience, and I'm really interested to see how our ideas change from just being the four of us to then. Um, you know, cross-pollinating with everyone who's here and then um, bringing those ideas to the surface at the end. So, you know, end of the day right now, usually low energy, but I'm really excited. <laughs> um, and also it is just a hard time of year, you know, in a district, um, this is the time of year, it's hiring season where people are thinking about what they want to do next year, starting to announce whether or not they're going to return. And it's just that time when budgets are being set for the next year. And funding is, you know, we're hearing the word on funding and we're also seeing who's going to be there and what positions need to be filled. And uh, that's in just a, a tough time. It's been just a tough few years. It can be, it can be a lot right now. A lot I of uncertainty, had, a lot I of uncertainty. Felt all is that. Yeah. <laughs> My least favorite time of the school year is when the numbers come out and then suddenly everybody's Dada. figuring out. What sections, how many, how many of this class, how many of that class? Well, because you're in a groove and you feel like, wow, I've figured things out. And then it's like, it's all going to change. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. They say data equals ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> we arrange the letters. Yep. <laughs> well, Shelton, how about you? How are you? Let's wrap up our check-in. How are you doing? Yes, uh, I'm... I'm doing, depends on the day. So I work at all three levels. During my high school days, my students pointed out to me like, Mr. Sheldon, your energy is is not the greatest. But what they don't realize is I'm feeding off their energy. So I have to give it back to them. Like, nah, it's, I'm an empath. So it's kind of you all's, you all's energy. Uh, my middle school, 
middle school is in the middle of everything. You never know what you're going to get. It's a good day, bad day. So that just, that keeps me grounded in between the two. And elementary, it's always a bright spot for me. But I will say with COVID this year, my third graders' behaviors and attention spans and other little things that's going on is making it kind of hard mm. for my third grade. But I don't blame them. I'm in the situation. So yeah. They would have been kindergartners probably that yes. March 2020 school year. Oof. Yeah, so they missed a lot of developmental learning. So, yeah, the attention spans and uh, um, deflective behaviors are definitely um, high. But I love what I do. I'm glad I'm here. So it's all good. think that we're going to start talking about our main topic today, which is uh, sustaining classroom communities. When we think about really cultivating a positive classroom community, it's not just sustaining because what happens at the beginning of the year is building and creating that classroom community and that positive learning environment. And now at this point in the year, it's about sustaining it, or in some cases, uh, needing to refresh it or revive it, maybe do some triage and so just kind of wondering, what does that all look like for everybody? What comes up when you think about creating or sustaining or refreshing a positive classroom community? What goes into all of that? For me, what comes up is I was just listening to something and they said, when people are healing, it's an opportunity to recreate. And when you said that the creating, and I just thought about the healing that we all have to go through off of uh, post COVID and all of those things and the changes you all are going through with um, numbers. And cause again, I'm not, I'm a non-traditional teacher. So I don't work at one school every day, all day. So I'm a, I'm at different schools throughout the day, but just assessing those uh, environments is, I think it's an opportunity to recreate and re reinvent. And, but I, I see a lot of people not taking advantage of that. And it's just going back to what they know. So the sustaining for me is the constant reinvention uh, now, I wouldn't say constant, but the opportunity to reinvent so you can re-engage to get what you need to get from your students or your staff. Yeah, I think that engagement piece is the biggest piece. And like many classrooms, I think um, we began the year by kind of planning out our own working agreements, what we're going to do, what we're going to have be our our anchor in our classroom. And so we came up with the concept of like, what are some topics? What are things that make our classroom run well? What have been some successful groups you've been in? And then we even go the other direction. What are groups you've been in that have not worked well? What were some of the properties? Huge whiteboards, write those down. Then it's like from these, what will we pull out? What are common themes? And we make those kind of working agreements, good vibes, everybody's included, all the standard stuff. What I do really intentionally is I put those on the screen at the beginning of every class. And I really, I just make a point to be like, hey, remember, these are what we agreed upon. We agreed that we're going to enter our workspace and talk to everyone. We agreed we're going to stay engaged. And sometimes I'm cheesy and I'll say, turn to your partner, tell them which one you think you're good at. Turn your partner, tell them which one you hate that you have to always try to work at. And I feel like that just kind of is an opportunity to bring things back. And so I really like the kind of the anchoring of the classroom agreements. 
I know when I thought about this, about, you know, how to sustain, especially like I said, I did, I did bring up February as being like, um, it just, it, it's a time where, um, we're in it. And like Daniel said, some of those other things are coming up. Um, and for me, of course, like any engagement, any sustained community is around real relationships. Mm -hmm. And I mean like relationships for real, not just our roles, because I think so much is external or it's like they're, you know, our role as teacher and their role as student. And if, if we just stay in that, again, that's kind of lame or it doesn't feel that great. And so this is the time of year, I think, to really move into relationship where we do really kind of know, like Shelton, you're saying your kids are picking up on you. You know what I yes. mean? And being like, here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about you. And so a way that I try to like bring up the energy is I'll start talking about, hey, y'all, it's time of year where we're going from knowing to doing. We spent mm -hmm. a lot of time figuring out how to know. You know what I mean? And and in a lot of ways, like you said, figuring out your classroom and how the groups work and who people are and this and that. And it's time to go from knowing to doing. And I kind of really explain what that is. And then for myself personally, I got March stocked with we're going out. We're going out and we're doing stuff and we're going to the film festival. We're going to go make and tap maple syrup. Um, we're going to an education admirals game. And so I really try to come up and, and March often looks that way uh, where I'll try to, to go from that knowing to doing because I do say it's just as important to practice what we do in here out out in the world where the variables are actually not in our control in a yes. way. Um, and so I know I hype it and I hype, I mean, cause again, I got people looking sick. I got people looking tired. Um, but, um, I'm hyping that in we're getting ready in March to go from knowing to do it. Three field trips or more than three. I have three right wow. now. Who knows? I could add more. No, oh I, have my gosh. Right, I have three right now. <laughs> Dude, and... Field trips are like a secret that is like a secret side job planning. Like oh, I know. And it, well, but that is part of the hype job yeah. though. Is like, we've yes. worked on it together. You know what I mean? Where mm -hmm. I start talking about it early on and I tell them like, this is work to put together the trips, you yeah. know, and actually I'll be giving out this week. Uh, like I give the field trip packet, like we're not doing these one at a time. Here's the packet for everything that's yes. going to happen in the next month. But yeah, it is work, but I do think it's worth it. Um, if you can, it's kind of my pattern. And I do think it helps to sustain that community because right, we're going to have these different experiences. Yeah. And I, I hear that really sustaining that excitement for learning, right? So when we talk yeah. about a positive classroom community, especially at this time of the year, if it needs refreshing, you know, you'll often hear the honeymoon period is over. Right. And Joanna, you mentioned relationships. Like literally we are talking about relationships when we're talking about a honeymoon period, right? That you're just married and you go on this vacation, this honeymoon, and then, oh, now we have the rest of our lives together, right? It's not just, oh, the rest of this year, school year, yeah. the rest of our lives. How do we keep it fresh, right? How are we always constantly working on keeping this fresh? Um, but with within the context of a classroom community and, and a positive cultivating a positive community thinking about it you know not just in terms of uh, ex getting students excited about learning if we think about also safety 
right, is another big issue connecting to a positive classroom community, helping students feel safe. Um, another one is helping students feel included. And then this, this was the third one. This is why it made me think of it was um, helping students feel excited about their learning. If we kind of separate it there, do, do different things come up when, when you think about creating a, a safe space um, or brave space? Um, some people have differentiated between a safe space and a brave space, helping students feel included and also more ideas around keeping them excited about learning throughout, hmm. throughout the year and throughout their lives. Well, I collect cell phones in my classroom. So I have a bin that I hold outside the door every single day. And as every kid comes in, they place their cell phone in the bin. And um, there's a little bit of logistical work going into it ahead of time. I, I contact every single family before the school year even begins to let them know that this is the plan. Um, but what I really like about it is that no child is concerned with themselves ever being photographed or taped on TikTok or something. So it like lowers that kind of heightened awareness of being feared that somebody is not only taking a picture or a movie of you, but then they're posting it. And I've, I've had a few kids talk about how they have had, they've had themselves be recorded in a class and they didn't know it was happening until they saw it on TikTok. So that's one of my big strategies is to take away like the recording feature mm -hmm. potential Build, building in the safety. Yep. Yeah. Uh, from my different lens of going from school to school, I get a different space with the kids. Cause my space is intentional from the first day of school. Like this space is for kids of color, emphasize for kids of color. It's a safe and brave space for you to be yourself, get a sense of self, be affirmed, validated and empowered. So with that, I get, I get to build emotional relationships, which means, uh, a lot of the kids, they don't, they're not even aware of some of the emotions of things they go, the trauma they've been through and how those emotions translate into their behaviors at school. So being that I've experienced some of this too with myself, I get to help them, number one, identify different challenges that they're having or they think they're having. And then after identify, we get to, I get to show them a big wheel of emotions and be like, are you sure this is what you're feeling? And that's not what you're feeling. And as they learn like different emotions, they start to approach and feel different because they have the knowledge and the foundation to do so. So with that too, I can, I also get the, uh, I get to learn how they learn. So I get, I, I get to give them tools on how to respectfully go advocate for your learning. But I always let them know, look, teachers, they have to teach a certain way. They got a curriculum. But I said, if you're really struggling and you've been trying, teach the teacher how to treat, how to teach you. If you learn yes. this way, cause we'll do different, different um, like, for math, for instance, I was watching this kid just watch the board and do three plus zero. He couldn't figure it out. I'm like, man, it's got to be another way. So I brought him in my office, get a bag of fruit snacks. I said, count them. You can't, this is not food. This is our math problem. And so he got excited about that. But I said, if you complete it, you can eat it. So got a math problem and counting all out. So count three over here and don't leave any over there so he can have a visual. But just doing that allowed that kid to see, no, I can learn. I just don't learn like that. So being in an intentional space to provide different tools for kids. And I do have some staff that come ask like, what, what did you do to make that work? And they follow. And I, I got the opposite as well. I got certain staff that, okay, that was great. And I can show them a video, but they'll keep going on the same way. So I just, I love my space because I get to be intentional every day, every day and all day about it's them. 
It's cool to think about giving kids the tools though, to advocate for themselves too, because I just think about at the beginning of a school year, if a Mm -hmm. student said, you know, I'm just gonna be really honest. I do work a little bit better with one-on-one. I feel like I, I understand when things are a little bit more hands-on. I just want you to know that's how I learn right away. It's, it's not a bad thing. The teacher then can start thinking about, okay, well, what am I going to do to help this kid out? Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's a pretty brave, like you said, Daniel, that is brave. Um, I like the phrase brave space. That's really brave to put yourself out there and say, this is how I learn. Please help me. Totally. Um, I'm really thinking about this idea of, of relationships, you know, and how this, there's a parallel to the community we create in classrooms and, and relationships as well. And I think for, for relationships kind of outside of the classroom, first of all, um, there's there's something about reconnecting with if you need to reconnecting with the core or the foundation of that relationship what got it started right so angie you mentioned you know anchoring and sustaining in those classroom agreements right for a relationship though it might be you know we used to go to to see live music all the time we don't do that anymore let's you know let's remind ourselves what was our foundation of our relationship you know where we like the comedy, I don't know, or just walks, getting lost, going outdoors without a plan and getting lost. And that's how we started. So let's do that. We don't do that anymore. It can be a time of year to just bring back a favorite activity in the classroom. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily always be something new and innovative, but just to say, let's, let's go back. Let's remind ourselves. Remember when we really enjoyed that thing? Why does that only have to happen in September or October? Let's just do it again. You know, whatever, whatever that was again. I wonder if there, if there's anything like that, like, you know, those, those greatest hits, like, you know, you could pull this out any time of year, it's going to bring the community together um, or, or something where at this time of year, I don't know, I think like bringing classrooms together too. Sometimes you think, you know, how do I strengthen, strengthen this classroom community? And you don't think beyond that classroom. Sometimes it's easy just to go to another teacher and say, hey, let's just get our classes together. Let's take them outside. Let's bring them together around an activity. And that can be enough to kind of rejuvenate things. So I don't know. Are there ideas that, you know, beginning of the year ideas that you just, we would pull back out um, or some go-tos at at this point in the year? Actually, just last week in middle school, I meet with a group of guys and I call them kings. I meet with a group of girls, I call them queens and they had questions about each other. So I'm like, how about, I told the social worker, I'm like, why don't we let them get together? And she was like, oh no, like that's gonna be a mess. I'm like, I got it, don't worry about it. So they got together and I just let them go. After a while, the coolness drop off and then we can get real. So the girls were wanting to know like, why do you disrespect us and call us out our names? And the boys at first, you know, they were sitting back just like, man, yeah, whatever. But then it turned into, I've never seen my father hold just one lady. I've had my father had girls running in and out. So I don't know how to respect the woman. So the girls got to hear a whole different side of them in which now they can relate. And then we followed up the next week separately. And one of the young ladies said, one of my queens said, man, me and so-and-so, we just have a great relationship now based off what I knew about him and we just work together well. So I think in my work, sometimes they say separating boys and girls is good, but bringing them together is good as well. And as a man, I facilitate young girls and it's like, well, we need a woman. Yes, you do for certain things because certain things I cannot speak on because I haven't experienced. So just 
understanding personal dynamics and how getting those kids together to ask them, ask their own questions. Cause we like to think like we know what they need just cause we've been teens, but it's different. It's different. So well, you were providing that space for yeah. deep connection and yes. um, connection is really what sustaining a classroom is all about. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's one of the reasons why I collect the cell phones is because mm. I think when you take away the ultimate distractor, which is mm. a phone, I can't compete with TikTok. Neither can their peers on left or right. When you take that away and you say, Hey, turn and talk to the person next to you and tell them what was one of the hardest things you had to deal with in the past year. Suddenly it. kids are talking about having cancer, having a parent pass away. And, you know, just like what you're saying, Shelton, there are kids who think other kids have it easy and that oh, their life is fine and that they yes. are the only person who's struggling. But when you start to learn about your, your students or when they start to learn about each other's pasts or current struggles, it brings a whole new light to that community structure. Yes. Humanness. Mm -hmm. Shelton, as you were saying, I'm talking about the students and they're bringing their families into it. You know, I'm thinking about sustaining a classroom community, that that classroom community isn't just teachers and students, right? It yes. is the families are a big part of that too. And this could be a great time of year to engage or re-engage with families or yeah. to just reevaluate, you know, which families do I know really well? Which families could I get to know a little more? And even just doing that, kind of that re-upping re your relationship with the families, you can gain insight into where they are at this time of year. You know, if you do a family questionnaire, send out a family questionnaire at the beginning of the year, things change, right? Yes. Goals change, um, circumstances change, and just kind of getting a gauge where everyone is at at this point in the year can provide a lot of different insight. I usually spell community when I'm working with kids or to other people anyways, C-O-M-E dash unity, community. So Shelton, I, I love that. I, I think you, what your work, it, it does, you do so much to create these safe and brave spaces. And I'm even just thinking about us four and everyone else in the room with us right now, you know, making sure that we are, what does it look like for us in this podcast or even just in today's session to create a safe and brave space. And I know as you were talking, something that came up for me was, you know, an activity with kings and queens. And mm -hmm. in the past, you've mentioned, you know, activities with uh, boys and girls, you know, boys on, on one side, girls on the other side. I'm, I'm curious if you've come across students who identify as non-binary, you know, and thinking about part of this creating a positive classroom community in terms of inclusiveness. And that's so central in your work. Um, yes. What would that for you, what would that look like to adapt an activity like that? Um, or has that come up? I'm, I'm curious. Yes, it, it has come up. And so I got my kings and queens. And then I had a non-binary uh, student in my group. And this was when I was ignorant. So I'm saying different things. And this is like fifth graders. My fifth graders taught me, it was like, Mr. Shelton, she doesn't identify as a king or queen. So I'm like, oh. Oh, I they're know. so sweet. I love it. I love it. So I go to that this this individual and uh, I'm asked, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. How can I help you? They were like, they didn't they didn't know, which was fair. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I got some. So I'm like, I got kings and queens. Let me come up with another acronym. So I came up with the royalty. It's the realization of you are the love that yields. 
So now <laughs> I'm working with I'm working with non-binary kids on different levels to because I'm not familiar. I'm like, what do these kids need? Like, what did you need? Trying to hear their experiences. So now I'm cultivating a curriculum for that too. So because Elton, that you're is so name. amazing. Right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yep. I appreciate it. Sheldon, the thing I noticed that you just did that I think is the growth we want to cultivate with all of our colleagues too is the use of a pronoun that maybe we're used to using and then be like, sorry, they, and this, and then moving on with the story. It's so huge and it means so much to our kids. And, um, I think all of us can identify colleagues who've maybe been teaching for such a long time that they needed to learn about, you know, what, what is a pronoun again? And, and I think just that comfort and being able to quickly correct yourself or quick to like, Hey, teach me, teach me what, what kids need and want is again, a beautiful brave space. Oh, Daniel, I love the phrase brave space. (laughs) It's not mine. It's not, I steal everything. Steal all all Um, and, and I also think Shelton's a great example too. You said a student spoke up for another student. The question in the back of my mind has been, you know, what are those indicators of a positive classroom community? What do you look for? What do you listen for? Mm-hmm. And I think students speaking up for other students is such a great example of one of those indicators and having the confidence and trust in you to come and tell you about it. And of course, then your responsiveness just adds and builds that, that whole community around it. All right, so we're ready to head into our breakout rooms, our EdCamp style discussion. One room focusing on classroom communities, the topic we've been discussing, and another one focused on a similar note, um, sustaining communities, but in the context of teacher communities. And this part won't be recorded, but when we come back together, we'll be discussing some of the ideas we heard and just lifting up some of those voices and conversations and ideas. back to aka teacher podcast and we just left a great ed camp live session we had some great conversation around uh multiple things about community focused class structures versus routines we also talked about how to re-energize your uh your classroom community and uh yeah anybody else want to jump in on what else we talked about some good conversation well um shelton your question on structure versus routine I am officially taking that to my day two PD tomorrow and asking everyone I know, which they prefer, um, (laughs) because I think it's really interesting question, especially when you think about the different age levels. I would say too, for our listeners who wasn't in the chat, um, we're talking about uh, community focused classrooms and uh, do you do you prefer structures or routines just to give you a little bit of context? Well, a lot of times we're uh, given what might be a false choice or it's, you know, it's an either or, but it doesn't have to be. I think structures and routines, maybe something others might've wanted to say too, like, can I have both? Yeah. Right at the beginning of the year, you're setting up structures, you're setting up routines, you know, but they're not routine yet. They're structures, repeated Mm -hmm. structures become routines, right? And you need both. You need to set them up as these are structures that are gonna happen. Then the more you do them, you kind of flow with them, adapt as they go, and then they become routines. So I don't know if I can de-link those 
Another part of the conversation that I enjoyed with our participants was, again, the look back to COVID. I don't know if people are mm -hmm. sick of hearing about it, but it's <laughs> it's real. You know what I mean? In terms of its presence in um, education. And so I thought a really interesting part from our participants was hearing their views on how it has impacted them as professionals and what they're noticing in students. We heard mm -hmm. from like how it impacted different age ranges. And so that is just still the thing, right, to be to be worked through and not necessarily as, you know, something we can't like move through or come back from, but definitely something to acknowledge and you know, I'm going to say like really putting educators voices up front and, yes. and honoring and valuing their observations and suggestions about where to go. Because as we heard in our discussion, we're the folks who are seeing it and mm -hmm. um, trying to figure it out. What'd you guys think about that? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing it, we're reading about, you know, there's just something different in that you know, we're talking about learning loss and it's that social, emotional, not just the academic, but the social, emotional healing that's necessary. And, you know, for teachers saying, you know, I'm teaching second graders, but I actually feel like I'm teaching first graders or kindergartners on that social, emotional level. And to hear, this is the first time I heard somebody say in that breakout discussion of an older student is actually a high school student able to articulate exactly the same thing. And they said, I'm 18, but I feel like I'm 15. I mean, that is so raw and so real. And when we talk about meeting students where they're at, what does it look like to meet them where they're at when they feel three years younger and to a, lot, to a certain extent are three years younger? What do, what do we do with that? Having an 18 year old say, I'm just scared. You know, I feel like I'm 15. It's, it's very brave for a, a kid to be that honest. Well, and because they're also very aware that the, the outside things haven't changed. Like, right. You're still on this path. You're still supposed to graduate. People are like, you're still supposed to like become independent. So the outcomes that are just kind of as a society expected, those didn't change, but where the kids are kind mm -hmm. of really has. And that's what I hear in that struggle. One of our other participants spoke about language barriers and how she taught three different levels from like pre-K to eighth grade, if I'm, yeah. if I'm being correct. Yep. She used older kids to mentor the smaller kids and that's how she built community within itself. So yeah, just using those those older kids to mentor the smaller kids because they had the same the same language, in which she turned the barrier into an opportunity for those kids to build a community of practice within themselves and support to support each other. And she could sit back and learn, and that could help benefit her for her next group of kids. So that was huge. Kudos. And not to talk too much because I usually don't. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it was another teacher who was on a sabbatical, if I should say. That was so important and and mm -hmm. intentional for me because we all we always as educators talking about keeping our fires lit. Yeah. When we think of a fire, we think about log on top of log on top of log on top of log. But the one thing we forget about is the space in between the logs that's needed to create that oxygen to keep the fire flowing. So educators, be sure 
to always intentionally create space between your logs and whatever mess you put in there to keep the fire burning because without oxygen, it's not going to happen for you. So definitely don't forget that. I think it's, that's a great point that you bring up to Shelton is that um, just because someone takes a break from this profession or takes a day or two off or takes a week off or does whatever they need to do to bring back that energy doesn't mean that we're not learning. Doesn't mean that we're not still engaged in school and caring. And um, it's, it's nice to be maybe given the gift of like, yep, I need a break, but I still, education is still my passion. I'm stepping away, but I'm still going to learn. And and we can do two things can happen at the same time, which is mm-hmm. cool to think about. I, I really welcome more of that coming into the space because that is part of the shift that I think um, is needed is exactly what you're talking about. And that's a shift from one way of viewing our work and even how it's structured um, to the shift of of how our work is going to have to adapt to be able to be able to take care of ourselves and then one another. Joanna, just to clarify, you're talking about centering the, the social emotional. Yeah. And, of, of and the space between our own logs is what I was mm. thinking. That whole, like, <laughs> I feel like schools are so much about roles. Like here's your role. And then, and it's not about all those other pieces, but it's those, I don't really want to just do the role. I'm here to be me. And that is not built into the structure that has not been built into the structure of our profession. You know, the, the profession has been, oh, you give it all. You go overtime, you do it for the kids, no matter what. And Mm. so that's what I was meaning. Thank you uh, to our audience for the lively discussion and the idea sharing. Thank you for everybody who's tuning in. This was a great first for AKA teacher. Um, Please remember that we are always looking for stories and questions from pre-service or early career teaching or hearing from any aspect of teaching. We love to receive your interesting stories from the classroom. You can record a voice memo or type it up and send it to education at pbswisconsin.org. Please make sure you put AKA teacher in the subject line. And then also please be sure to visit our AKA teacher podcast website to find helpful resources and all of our podcast episodes. Thank you so much everybody for joining us today and we look forward to connecting again. Mm -hmm.